Hey, you're listening to Rorahalux Anonymous. Okay, we're we're recording, you guys. Um, hey, anyone who happens to be listening, whoever you might be, welcome to this. We're not even sure what we're going to call it yet, but uh, it's it's about the Detroit Lions. It's about being a Lions fan for more than forty fucking years and having to try to deal with that. Uh, I'm Jeremy. And um, I'm going to and who am I with? Who am I talking to? I got my brother on the line. Yeah, I'm Dan and I'm a Lions fan. Hello, Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, And my name is Todd and I am a Lions fan. Hi, Todd. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. It's great to have you. (laughs) I would like to begin this meeting by um, humbly offering the prayer of the Lions fan. If you may clasp your hands and and listen. Okay. May the ghost. Okay. May the ghost of Bobby Lane grant us the serenity to accept the things about being Lions fans we cannot change, the courage to change the things about being Lions fans we can, and the wisdom to know that the Lions will always suck. Amen. 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 There we go. Um, I thought, can we do a quick speed round of possible names for this podcast? Because I've got quite a few lined up here. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You want to start uh, then? You sound you're excited for it. Uh, okay. Uh, de- deplore the roar. Ooh, Ooh, nice. Okay. I like it. Do, does anybody? I have a whole list, but I was wondering if we could go around and do it. Well, I no. I would say just you got your list, man. Just we don't want to interrupt okay. your flow. So just deplore the roar. Uh-huh. Abhor the roar. Nice. Couldn't decide between the two of those. Any giving Sunday will suck. <laughs> Huddle from hell. Yeah. For the hate of the game. <laughs> and then William Clay Fuck. <laughs> wow. It's there's so many good choices. Yeah. Yeah. So for for those of um you who don't know, William Clay Fuck or Ford, <laughs> the Ford family has owned the Lions since nineteen sixty and is at least um around Detroit and those in the know largely responsible for the suckage of the last um, 60 plus years. Yeah. You know who would have been the best Ford owner for the Lions? The original Henry Ford. You know, if he owned it, like that guy was a badass. He invented the, you know, the car industry and all that stuff. If he owned the Lions, then maybe we're talking about something. But his descendants, no, no it's good. true. And, and really kind of a strident anti-Semitism and racism would have been a small price to pay for a few more playoff victories. Agreed. I would have, I would have gladly swallowed all that. In fact, it's that stuff. He, he had, he had the anger and the fury in him to build what it takes to, to win in, in modern NFL football. Clearly. It's right. true. If, if the Jews have to go down for it, that's, that's fine. We're all Jews, by the way. Just so so you know. we, we would be willing to make that sacrifice, but alas, uh, their Fords are no longer seem to be anti-Semites. In fact, a true Ford no longer owns the Lions. It's Martha Ford, who is uh, Firestone, that owns the ah. Lions now. And I believe she is, uh, at last count, about 140 years old. <laughs> That's right. true. Um, That's true. Yeah. She actually, she made her money in um, horseshoes, actually. <laughs> yeah. The, she uh, was a contemporary of Henry Ford. Actually. Right, right. So, so okay. Well, Todd, that's that's a, a nice list of names. My, I'll, I'll put out a couple names out there, including the one that that we, that I think we might actually go with. Maybe 
so I had one was just like, fuck the lions, you know, very crude to the point spelling fuck with a, an asterisk instead of the U so we could go on iTunes. Um, but then, you know, that's a little crude. So I thought maybe we go with Roar Aholics Anonymous because we have the opening prayer already. And mm. the whole point of this, in a way, is that for years now, we have been lamenting not just how badly the lions suck, but the fact that we still give a shit. Why? Right. Why, why are we doing this? So, why do we true. bother to even pay right. attention? It's because we can't stop. We need something yes. like Aholics Anonymous to help us. I, I, you know there, what I mean? I, so I live in Detroit, and I have never yeah. even really tried to stop. I'm surrounded by it. <laughs> I'm immersed in it. Um, I've raised my my kids as Lions fans. Someday, maybe oh they'll God. forgive me. But um, no, but I won't. can say these other two have sworn off being Lions fans so many times. And given that they live out of town, there would be that possibility. But yet every year, sort of like moth to the flame, they're drawn back to their own yeah. kind of, you know, just... I don't know. It's it's like a weird thing. And I, th- I think maybe we should start right there before we get into this week's action of like, what is yeah. it about being a Lions fan that sort of sets us apart in our particular brand of misery? We were talking about this the other day that you had like Cubs fans for a long time that were kind of, you know, the the luckless Cubs fan until they won a few yeah. years ago. But the Cubs were sort of lovable losers and you have other teams that are have been bad, but there's something unique about the Lions and rooting for them. How would you guys describe that? Yeah, well, Todd, why don't you go first, man? Take well, this. I'll do it by way of talking about last week's game and my experience of watching it. Okay. So last week, for those of you that were luckily uh, in a Siberian prison camp without Wi-Fi, <laughs> Uh, the Lions played on the road, which is already a, a really a sentence that the Lions fans say and their anxiety levels just shoot up road game. Um, and they were and I didn't plan on watching it. And then I made a discovery, which JN Shear, you're going to be terrified to learn about, which is that if you go on to Reddit, you can watch oh, wow. Lions games Ouch. for free Wait, live. What? Reddit? Like, it's a it's a horrible thing to know. Oh, no. <laughs> Why not. did you just tell me that, motherfucker? <laughs> so, damn it. Uh, I watched the game, expecting <sighs> them to lose because it's a road game and they're the Lions. And yeah. then they did the Lions thing, which is they started giving you the impression that they had a good chance of winning. Right. And and the thing about the, the thing, the thing people that don't follow the Lions closely don't understand is uh, people that follow football somewhat casually know the Lions suck, but they think they're a bad team, and that does not explain the phenomenon. Right. Because a bad team is just bad, and they just lose all the time. The Lions, their real talent is the ability to make you believe that they're going to somehow win. They manage to force you to have expectations and investment in the game. And that game was a classic version of that. Right. They had that game locked up yeah. and then they found a way. And the other magic of the Lions, yeah. and at one point we have to just do a list of these, is that they, yeah. will, they will demonstrate in real time on the field a way to blow and a so, game that you didn't yeah, know go ahead. was possible. <laughs> right. So last, yeah, last, last week's was we will run a successful play that the – 
running of it will give us a first down that will allow us to run out the clock. The play will have been run. And then after the play is over, it will have turned out that the head coach, the guy in charge of the team, called a timeout. Right. So the play doesn't count. They run another yeah. play. They don't convert. And they nearly lose the game. They left with a, a tie. Um, and as I told a friend, he's like, so is, that, is a tie, it feels like kissing a cousin. I said, that tie felt like dry humping yeah. a scleretic ant. Actually, <laughs> that's what that one felt like. So, um, so my experience of the Lions is, is the desire to stop watching them, to not care, to be 100% not invested and them like the most talented, mm-hmm. sadistic, mendacious, abusive husband finding a way to keep me in the relationship all while the main goal is to destroy my life yeah and i mean exhibit a here you are doing a podcast about the lions how did that happen they still have our time and energy i don't honestly you guys i mean there's a big part (coughs) of it's like stop this right now yeah this is you know i think this goes under the belief that sunlight is the best disinfectant and this has to be talked about out loud. We've we've lived in shame <laughs> for too long as Lions fans. We need I to so. be open to discussing this, much like alcoholics gather together. And together, I'm not saying we can overcome this. Like, we'll always be yeah. roar Lions-holics, roar-aholics, but we can maybe manage to live with it. There's no cure. Right. There's no cure, but you can... There's, but there's no cure, but you can manage it and live with it. And we can become ideally recovering roraholics if we're lucky. I w- yeah. So I want to put the question. I think we should go around on this. As Todd, that was a good answer. But so, Jeremy, what makes, what keeps you a Lions fan? And, what do you, and, and maybe more to the point, what's the unique thing about being a Lions fan rather than a fan of the Cubs or the Red Sox that were other supposedly cursed teams right. for a long time? But I think the lines are very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I want to say a few things here. I have a few thoughts. First of all, I just want to make it known to, to everybody who may be listening. I'm 48 years old. I'm a grown man. Okay. I have children who are now out of the house. I'm married. I have a job, all that shit. And I have met, met many better things to do than this and worry about the lions. And yet still, I, I seem to somehow actually really care. And I'll spend time doing things like this. And I spent time following the game today on my phone, even though I know it's bad for me. And I know there's no, it's just a fucking game. It's, and it's football is even a bad game. It kills people, gives people concussions. And yet I still seriously think about this stuff. I don't know why. I do not know why. Now, in terms of how it's different than, let's say, the Cubs, the Red Sox, first of all, uh, the Red Sox are now out of the discussion because they've won like 25 World Series in the past couple of years, it seems. And and even given their history of ineptitude over the years, when true Red Sox fans would you know talk all kinds of misery about it, at least they got to the World Series once or twice. You know, they they had success. They just never took it all the way. OK. And the Cubs, too. We're talking about the Lions like they've they have made it to the playoffs how many times in the past 50 years even just making it to the playoffs well the stat i don't know the number but like a handful the stat the stat to open with on any yeah. lines discussion is that since we've been alive right they have one playoff victory 
Right. What? Since we've been alive. And again, I'm 48. Todd, you're what? what I'm you? 50. I have a you're half 50. century of this. Yeah. One yeah. playoff victory. Wait. So question, Todd, were you – so you were alive in 1970 then, correct? That is correct. I was born in 1969. Oh, so you were – okay. So, so this is kind of important because you're the only one of us that was alive during the – Lions infamous zero to five <laughs> playoff loss in the first round to the Cowboys. So I think that that Jesus. gives you a little more. I mean, you were an infant, I'm sure, but oh, you absorbed so, that trauma, that, though. You absorbed oh, it. That see, it seeped yeah. into your bones. Oh, yeah. 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 No, yeah. I mean, this is, this I mean, is lose- Lions fandom is an epigenetic phenomenon. There's no question <laughs> about that. Yeah. I mean, we have children yet, like grandchildren yet to be born that are going to be scarred by this. Oh, yeah. As, as they suckle yeah. from their mother's teats, the very yes. milk from the breast is the lion's milk with the disease. Yeah, yes. right. Silver and Honolulu <laughs> like, milk. It's like a crack baby, like being born like a crack baby. It's born it's addicted. Bad. Which. Which, by the way, could be another name for the podcast, Lions Crack Babies. <laughs> um, I kind of. What if like we that. just change the name of the podcast every week? Because that's a good way to establish continuity, I think. <laughs> so, I, can I just say, I want to say one other thing about being a Lions fan, which yeah. is that in addition to like, there's no charm to their ineptitude or anything like that. Yeah. I, so, I live in Chicago and right. I've lived here, I lived here for six years before the Cubs won and, and my in-laws are from Chicago. So I have a couple decades of being close to people that are very serious Cubs fans. And yeah. the Cubs always had a real charm and Wrigley Field is a magnificent ballpark. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were always, I mean, part of it was that it didn't really matter how well they were doing because they sold out all the time and all this thing. And the Lions, I, I, I tell local people when I try to explain to them what it's like to be a Lions fan, that the Lions are the Cubs without the charm. Right. And, and that's what they are. There's no, they have no, they, there's, there's nothing else about them to like, but let, let me, add, can I just add yeah. one other thing, which is that I think a lot of this comes down to something that is that you don't choose what to love when it comes to sports. Like I cannot explain mm. why if I have to choose any sports team in the world to do well, it's the Lions. I don't, I like basketball much more than football. I play basketball and I really right. like the Detroit Pistons. But I don't totally care. Yeah. I totally care about the lines. They tap into some deep, deep emotional well. And I have no say in that whatsoever. Because if I did, I would do something about it. Right. Well, I want to add to that, actually. And I think it is important to put this in the context of Detroit sports generally. We're all from that area, right? We all grew up in Detroit metro area, worshiping the sports team. Detroit is a big time sports town, right? And Now, first of all, all the other major teams have had significant success. The Red Wings obviously had a stretch there where they were just crushing the Stanley Cup every year. Uh, The Pistons have had their championship years, right? And, of course, the Tigers, right? Now, 84. I mean, that's all I need. 1984, I was in high school. They started 35 and 5. I don't care. This year, the Lions, uh, sorry, the Tigers suck. Like, they're one of the worst teams in the league. I don't care at all. It's fine. But... There's something about the Lions, as, as Todd just said, it's different. And I, and I have a couple ideas on that. First of all, there's something about the sport of football, whether it's your favorite sport or not, whether you think it's like, you know, brutal and heinous and killing people and all that stuff. Still, there is something elemental and fundamental about it. And I'm guessing now, because I've never actually experienced it, 
if your football team is really good, it gives you as a man a sort of pride that you don't get from any other sport. I'm only guessing at that because I've never experienced it, but you know what I mean? And I think it, and I think it's bundled with Detroit itself. Chicago's a, you know, first rate city, Boston first rate city. So even if your team sucks, it's a cool city. You're still living in a cool place. Detroit, there's good stuff about it, but come on, you know, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, the least that can happen is the goddamn football team could be good every now and again. I know. I had another observation about this that I think is involved in, in, right. So football has this kind of innate drama, you know, the metaphors of war and everything, but another feature of it that I think makes actually watching any particular game that much more exhausting is that there's only 16 games in a season. And so right. every game yeah. has yeah. an enormous amount of consequence to it. Whereas like, right. especially baseball, like baseball plays literally more than 10 times as many games. And right. so like, even if you, if you pull a lions in a, in a foot, in a baseball game, right. Where you go up <laughs> eight to one and then you commit seven errors in the ninth inning and, and the pitcher throw, you know, being six guys. And then they, that they should they they uncover a bunt rule you never knew and lose the game that, <laughs> right. like all that happens you lose nine to eight you're playing the next day right it doesn't yeah. you get over and the lines you watch the lines you're watching any sunday you watch you're watching one sixteenth of the season and yeah and you know we all know like if you look at this season the lines could be two and oh right now right which is really right. a That's blessing true. that they're not right because if they were two and oh we would start convincing ourselves that they're good. We, well, we're about to. Well, we're about to get into that because they won today, and we now we have to talk about well, that. I wanna, I wanna actually share my Lions right. fandom uh, history and and what I think makes. So yeah, Todd, um, it was noted that the Lions have only won one playoff game since 1957, the year that they won their last championship, pre Super Bowl championship. They have gone. In those last, um, what is it, 62 years, they have been to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 okay. playoff games, and won a total yeah. of one. Okay, <laughs> I want to go back to that one victory <laughs> to kind of trace my love-hate relationship with the Lions. The year was 1991. A simpler time. I was... Um, <laughs> It was a much simpler time. I was about 16 years old and in high school and, you know, still young enough to think, okay, the Lions, you know, they are turning this thing around. We had a young running back by the name of Barry uh, Sanders. Um, a, I think you guys remember him? Some um, sort of set in ritual anytime his name is mentioned. <laughs> it might, I think actually we have right. to roll the dice and one of us <laughs> chops off a, a tip of a pinky. I think that yeah, I I would uh, I was about to recite the mourners' Kaddish, but I think we'll. Uh, but anyways, we had a young receiver. Um, we had uh, we had actually a few good receivers: mm-hmm. Herman Moore, uh, Brett Perryman. We had a uh, defense led by the likes of Benny Blades and Chris yeah. Spielman, and we went twelve and four that year. Won our division. We ran and we shot um, that and- season, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> We did. We we ran the run and shoot. Wayne Fonts, Fonts Torres, Wayne Fonts. a uh, 
Yeah, a caller, and uh, in that season, I remember a caller to local sports talk called him Wayne Fontes. <laughs> he was uh, leading us, and so in the first round, we played another young team of the '90s, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. In the first round, and uh, we, we, we destroyed them. Yeah, we absolutely fucking. And the quarterback was them. Eric Kramer, right? Them. Kramer stepped in. Yes, we beat them thirty-eight yeah. to six. Okay, and to. And to play in the conference championship against Washington. Now, I remember that week after the Lions beat Dallas, listening, like talking to my friends and listening to local radio and even national radio. And it had been basically declared that there were two young up and coming stud teams in the NFL, the Lions and the Cowboys. And one of them had just proven themselves to be the team of the nineties. And that was obviously oh the God. Lions. After that was, that. The, was that the team that would go on and lose by 27 <laughs> points the following week? Yes. Well, um, if only we had lost uh, by that much, we actually lost by 31 um, to oh, the Reds. Oh, was it 48 17? I thought it was 41 17. 41 10. We did not get oh. 17 points. Oh. Um, I believe. Oh. Doug Williams threw for a thousand yards <laughs> against us that week. And, um, and of course we haven't made a play. We haven't won a playoff game since. And I think it was just that that week's worth of excitement of thinking, wow, we have the NFL team of right. the future here and being so dead wrong about that, <laughs> that Dallas would go on to win Super Bowl after Super Bowl. And we would just suck. And, and, so that's, you know, just one thing, a formative experience. But to go back a little earlier than that, the Cubs, as we were talking about, have, you know, Wrigley Field, the Red Sox, you know, during their many years of losing at Fenway and this sort of beloved loser thing. The Lions had the Pontiac Silverdome. And I have memories. We all have memories of yeah. going there as a kid. And I can only say this. It was a huge dome. <laughs> that you probably remember, um, really known for its super hard astroturf, yeah. like basically just a thin layer of like felt on top of, you know, 10 feet of cement. <laughs> and, and basically when you went there, it just felt like an, a post-apocalyptic <laughs> hellscape. And one of my main memories is going to a game when I was about seven or eight Surrounded by, you know, drunken Lions fans and we were playing Green Bay and, you know, Green Bay fans like to travel. So there were a bunch of, you know, guys in Green Bay jerseys there. And I was in the bathroom and there was a guy pissing into a beer cup. And then I followed him out as he pretended to bump into a Green oh Bay God. fan and spill his cup of what looked like beer, but was actually oh. piss on him. And I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. It was just disgusting. It was horrifying. It was scary as a little kid. Um, you know, and then, of course, the fight that broke out, I think. Like the Lions, if you went to a Lions game back then in the 80s, um, you were much, you know, like you could rarely expect a win, but you could expect some really thrilling fights oh, in the yeah. stands. Just drunken. Break out oh. every yeah, seven just drunk, or eight minutes. Drunken, loudish behavior. By the way, 
Dan, thank you for sharing that beautiful memory. And as a surprise, yeah. we have, we tracked that guy down. We have him on the podcast here today to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, it's Rabbi Michael Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. Um, can I? Well, I'll, so uh, my childhood roar experience revolves around the fact that my grandfather had season tickets to nice. the Lions and took us every Thanksgiving to the game. Wow. In order to ruin <laughs> a holiday in which all you have to do is be thankful for all the good things yeah. you have. And, and it's like, it's like set, it's like making a giant Thanksgiving meal, like a bountiful <laughs> feast. And leaving a spot right in the middle of the table and right as you're sitting down to eat, you just, someone stands atop the table, squats and, and has a bowel movement on the center of the table. That was that ritual. That's what it meant to us to drive yeah. out to Pontiac. Right. Because that, just going um, to Pontiac alone, even if, it, you know, like that was the only reason you'd ever go there. And it, it was a scary thing. Like, all right, everyone, windows up, yeah. just get into the Silver Dome. Danny and I went to, we took our kids to the uh, Thanksgiving Day game a few years ago. What was that? Two or three years ago? Yeah. And uh, I'll just say that they lost to the Vikings on that day, like a a typical Lions loss. And during during the game, I get a call on my phone. And, uh, you know, we live in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. It's like six hours away from Detroit. Uh, I get a call that our house has been broken into during the game. And I was just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Lions have something to do with this. Well, like this, this, I think the-, the whole thing is just a shit show. So I couldn't even really enjoy the game. And they lost anyway. I'm like, what the fuck? I think the interesting thing is he was actually like sort, felt sort of relieved that the house break in was was distracting him from the game. That's true. Um, it gave you right. That's right. I had to like true. go up and talk to my wife and stuff out of the stadium. So I, I probably missed some some rather heartbreaking ineptitude on the football field. But anyway, Danny was actually texting her, <laughs> telling him, say it's also on fire. And one of the say it's on fire. The dog is completely gone. Right. No idea where the dog just, is. Uh, just keep just every 20 minutes, some catastrophe from blue. Right. <laughs> and I just want to say just to kind yeah. of close the loop on what it's you know, what it's been like growing up Lions fans and coming into what passes as adulthood as Lions fans that, you know, everyone when. I think nationwide, when you think about the Lions, you think about how horrible they are, but you think of two two beautiful men, Barry Sanders and Megatron Calvin Johnson. And yeah. so we did have the pleasure of rooting for these two transcendent players. But of course, both retired at age 30, <laughs> still in their primes. And the general consensus right. in Detroit and everywhere is that the Detroit Lions killed their love of football. And so to watch your favorite players like walk away from the game that they were (laughs) amazing at and millions and millions of dollars just because they couldn't bear to put on the Lions uniform again, that's kind of says it all. Yeah. It just ruined football for them. And like not even you want to play for another team. No, 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 thank you. I'm just done with this bullshit, you know? It's true. It's, it's if the Beatles were the Lions, John Lennon after Help came <laughs> right. out, 
would have just gone into accounting. <laughs> he just would have said that, you know, enough. I cannot, I can't do this anymore. So what, so what you're saying is if the Lions had owned a record label and signed the Beatles in 1963, exactly. that's, that would be the right. alternate. Like if the Ford family the owned that label, right? Yeah. It's true. Oh right. my God. Okay. Well, listen, guys, we're like almost a half hour into this already. So do we want to talk about the game? We don't have to, but we probably should. They, they did well, win I think, today. I think I'm not uh, sure what to onward to this yeah. week's game, guys. This was this was our home opener this year, the 2019, the year of our uh, of our <laughs> Lord, and uh, the home opener. We were actually underdogs uh, by dogs. two points at home. Home dogs yeah. against home dog. against the Chargers. The Chargers. They um, were a playoff team last year. They were good. Right, right. The Chargers are are a pretty good team historically over the last uh, you know decade or so. And they beat and Indy. So, they beat Indy in their first game, and, and the Colts are pretty good this year too. Uh, and their quarterback has one hundred and sixteen yeah. children. <laughs> right, I believe. True, I believe that. Yeah. Is. What what is he? Is he a Mormon or something? Uh, Why does he have so many kids? I think he started his own religion. I'm pretty sure right. it's a new We're talking religion. about Philip Rivers, Rivers, by the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he had... Right. Why does he have so many kids? He just likes kids. He likes kids. <laughs> he likes kids. He's... Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, this was... If I had to... I, I was able to watch most of the game. I did have to um, take one of my kids to lacrosse. He... He uh, does not play football. Mm. His love of football has likely been killed off at this point as well from watching Lions, although he yeah. did watch at time during timeouts. But um, I did watch most of this game. And I have to say, um, we were for- very fortunate to win. I believe that you could you could look at this game and see that the Chargers lost in a very Lions-esque way where they had many opportunities mm. to win. I believe their field goal kicker missed two easy kicks, um, field goal attempts. Yeah. Our kicker missed one uh, rather easy field goal attempt. Right. And an extra yeah. point. Yes. Prater, yes. man. He missed those taters. Um, what, what's and going and on? That had, when he missed the first extra point, we were about to tie the game at one TD right. all, 7-7, seven, seven, and then he missed. And that kind of felt like you know, maybe that's the final score. And Here this we is go. like the Lions right. lose Here on we a go. missed extra point, which is somewhat ironic given that the only consistently great aspect of Lions football over the last <laughs> 60 years has mostly been the kicking. It's been kicking. Right? Right. It's a triumvirate, right. a triumvirate of Hall of Fame kicking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, in our lifetime, or at least in our conscious collective memory, Eddie Murray, Jason yeah. Hansen, Matt, yeah. the Tater Prater, I, those ha- those guys yes. have to be three of the top ten kickers in the history of the game, yeah. at least in the they, modern era. Definitely. And, and during that time, yeah. the Lions have had fourteen thousand quarterbacks, right. while the Green Bay Packers have had <laughs> Brett Favre, yeah, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> it's we should have mentioned when we were talking just about the Lions more generally, like what's up. With a team where consistently the best player mm-hmm. is the kicker. Like, what's going on? No. That ain't good no. in the modern NFL. Maybe there was a time when that when that was the thing you wanted. But you're right. And I guess it's cool to have some of the best kickers, but yep. it also really sucks. Well, what I said to my brother, players. I watched the first half of this game, 
And then and when the stink started coming off of it, I said, I will not ruin two Sundays in a row watching this game. <laughs> and I was saying my brother-in-law, who is a Chicago Bears fan and, and loves watching me suffer as a Lions fan, asked me this morning <laughs> what the score was going to be. And I said, San Diego a lot, Detroit yeah. a little. And then he said, no, no, how? And I said, the only question is what – new way will the Lions discover to lose a game? And I actually had a prediction that they would actually commit <laughs> an heretofore unknown right. huddle infraction that was going to call them, <laughs> cause them the game. But then what started happening as Tater missed the extra point and then a field goal, I was like, oh, that's how they're going to lose. This team that the one thing right. that they're kind of an A-plus team at is the place-kicking game. Right. That's how they're going to lose today. And I thought well, that was what was going to happen. Yeah. It does seem like the Chargers well, did not kind of t- get their, uh, their, their Lions vaccination and somehow, and somehow got Lions yeah. out of this. Yeah, I, that's what I wanted to say. It's, it's really hard to look at this game and say that the Lions played particularly well. I mean, first of all, you got to start by noting we had eight penalties for 71 yards. Um, We had just like unnecessary penalty, which is a hallmark of the Lions of just shooting yourself in the foot. Even our best player, Darius Slay, had at least one or two penalties. He was by the I mean, our best defensive player was getting burnt a lot. Um, We gave up 424 yards to the chargers on offense and yet somehow they only yeah. uh they only scored 10 points i i think the missed field goals for them were obviously um a problem we did uh have one key yeah. interception uh at the end of the game which was a nice play by darius lay and in in another um maybe just chargers pretending to be lions moment they drove the ball on a very beautifully you know beautifully done drive all the way to our one yard line only to fumble um, on a handoff um, on a run and, and coughed up the ball. So, um, so they had every opportunity to put the game away and, and really failed to. And um, that, that brings us to the, I would say the sort of, you know, the man who has kept the lions, respectable for the last decade, which is Matt Stafford, who threw a touchdown in the fourth quarter to win it. Can I just say one thing before we get to, to Matt Stafford is that, right. you know, if the lions are, are the, the Beatles right. of suckdom, the chargers might be like Led Zeppelin. I mean, there, it is not fun to be a chargers fan. That is a, that is a <laughs> franchise that really, that has caused a lot of pain. And that was before yeah. <laughs> Junior Seau took his life. I mean, right. that is a sad – that's an underachieving franchise as well. Though they've well, been in a Super Bowl and they did have Air Coryell back in the right, day. Right. Exactly. That's the thing. They have had some kind of success. Like, uh, in any case, fine. A couple things here. First of all, whenever the Lions win, okay, it's a double-edged sword. First of all, I'm not – I'm always caught a little off guard, like, how do we talk about this? Because the wins are not frequent, so I'm not, not used to talking about it. And it's always laced for me with, like, okay, they won this game. It, ostensibly, that's a good thing, right? You want your team to win. But now, it, I already can feel my blood pressure well, rising, my anxiety, anxiety rising, <laughs> because, because now I'm like, well, wait a minute. 
maybe they're better than we thought. Do I want to go there? Does this mean this? And then it just, your expectations get bumped up a little bit. If we know anything, and any Lions fan hearing this is, is going to know what I'm talking about, the only healthy attitude to have here, and I don't care what else is going on with Lions, is just expect nothing. Expect the absolute worst and be pleasantly surprised every now and again when something goes your way. But don't take like one win or something as well, a sign I th- I of anything I think what you're saying is that this win prolongs the agony and that it yes. would be sort of a relief if the Lions were to open up the season and lose four straight so that it would just be clear they're not going anywhere. Whereas now we might have to wait until yeah. like week eight, nine, ten until the nail, you know, the final nail in the coffin of like, yeah, we suck. But this is the perfect game that you can look at on, you know, a week from now and say, hey, you know what? We did beat the Chargers. They were a playoff team. Maybe we're not that bad. But I, aside from Matt Stafford's play, which I think overall was pretty good, despite the fact that he threw two interceptions, it's hard to find a whole lot to take away from this win in terms of, oh, the Lions are actually good. They might do something real this year. I, I don't see it. Right. Oh, well, then let's talk about Well, let's start with Stafford, because you're right. He has been the, the best quarterback the Lions have had since, what, like 1952 yeah. 57. or something? Uh, so, okay. And, you know, once again, now, again, I'm just looking at the numbers here. And, you know, you guys who watch the game, you have to filling with the eye test. But once again, for the second game in a row, his numbers look pretty good. He was 22 out of 30, 245 yards, the two TDs, two interceptions, not great. But Mm -hmm. he also didn't get sacked at all. Um, You know, and he did throw the touchdown at the, you know, late in the fourth quarter to get, to get them ahead and and they won the game. So is, is, I mean, I, it looks like he played pretty well uh, just according to the numbers. Yeah, I will. I will just say also, he threw two interceptions. Um, one of them was was like a real long pass uh, to Marvin, Marvin Harrison. Har- uh, not Marvin Harrison. To Marvin our, Harrison. Yeah, Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Sorry. Harrison retired um, like eight years ago. Idiot. Yes, he did. Well, he came back for this nice. play. No. Uh, Stafford aired it out, you know, like 50 yards. And it was intercepted, but was on the Chargers 15. It so it was kind of like... It was kind of a pun. It wasn't an interception that hurt right. us a lot. And I believe another of his interceptions was not a good throw, but was intercepted. Also another long pass in the Chargers um, end zone and um, run out. So neither of those interceptions, they were missed opportunities, but they were not catastrophic. Yeah. They didn't really hurt us. He took some chances downfield that didn't work out, but he also threw pretty accurately 22 of 30. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think that the challenge about knowing what to do with a game like this is that, again, if this is a team that has some promise, then you say, hey, they won ugly today and, and you're going to win ugly sometimes. But yeah. that's not that's not a thing that the Lions do. OK, guys, let's we've <laughs> stated, made it clear that, you know, we're not going to fall for this shit. But let's do let's give. <laughs> the people out there like a few good minutes of if we were to fall for it which we might if let's let's be honest if they win next week we're going all in 201 <laughs> i'm all i'm all the fuck in so let's let's put the positive spin on this win that alliance Kool-Aid drinker would would put on it 
let's do what Lions fans do every year just okay. based on this. Well, let's let's say this also, which hasn't been said yet. Yeah. The Lions are undefeated. <laughs> okay, that's a great place to start. There you go. We are 1-0-1. Oh, We're not 1-1. One one. Fuck that. We're 1-0-1. Oh, We're one of the elite yeah. teams that hasn't lost yet. Undefeated. Yep. Undefeated, undefeated baby. Here, okay, I will honestly say, if I'm going to get excited about this team, I'm going to say that as much as uh, Stafford's a real half glass half full, glass half empty kind of guy. He's a seasoned veteran who ha- ha- he. Okay, let me back up a little bit. I think it was clear from day one that Stafford was a tough as nails and b had an incredible yes, yeah, rocket. But it was also kind of it seemed to be the case that he was. In a sport full of men who are arguably not super intelligent, <laughs> was kind of a dumbass. Wow, that was kind Remember, of always we're my supposed impression. To be making like, the argument for the Lions right now. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm working my way to He's that. Getting I'm working my way He's to getting that. there. I'm working my way to that. <laughs> if if it's clear that the truly elite quarterbacks, Brady, Rodgers, Peyton Manning, that those guys are super geniuses, yeah. And that they come out on the field and they, they're, they're supercomputers with incredible arms and poise. It always seemed the case that, like, from the neck down, Stafford could hang with any of those guys. <laughs> right. And it just always seemed like from the neck up, he just was, was quite average. My impression, and some of this is based on having read about him as well, is that his mental game is actually much mm-hmm. better than we thought. Mm. And so my hope... If the Lions are actually going to exceed expectations and say go seven, eight, and one, then um, I think it's because Stafford really puts the team on his back um, and and manages not to blow games. Um, that's my hope. But another interesting stat that came out of today, and I'd like to get the exact number if any of you gentlemen can find it. But the Lions say we're playing a team with a winning record. And Matt Stafford won, which, if I had to guess, this is an approximation, brings his career record <laughs> against teams with winning records to seven and fifty-eight. <laughs> that's a that's in the ballpark of what that number actually is. Right, right. Which is just, I mean, that's if anybody ever wants to say Matt Stafford, he might not be a great, great quarterback. He's a very, very good quarterback. Right. You unfurl the seven and fifty-eight number, <laughs> and that's after winning today. It was six um, and fifty-eight when the morning started. <laughs> Wow, it Todd, just I, tarnishes his I'm legacy. I'm yeah, questioning your ability to make the case for the Lions right now. I I, I don't think you're there. <laughs> I want to I want to jump in. I want to jump it's in. As good like, as it can get. I think. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, you I do want to do it. Do it. Do it like you're calling into a sports talk show and you're well, just diehard. Okay, let's, and you're making let's, the case. Yeah, I mean, let's let's go there. Let's actually put ourselves. We got to give you know do people it. a taste of what it is to be a real Lions fan. All right, fucking, so, well, okay, fucking Matthew go there Stafford, then, do it. Ten, <laughs> ten-year veteran, <laughs> he's played very well the first two weeks, and you know what? I think the end of last week's game, when he threw that pass that would have iced the game and it was called back and, and uh, only to be canceled by a timeout, it was widely reported he went, he walked over to the end zone, yell, I'm sorry, to the sideline, yelling at the coach, Fat Matt Patricia, you got to fucking trust me. You got to trust me. 
And I think, first there of all, go. that that was a moment for Stafford where he said, you know what? Fuck it. This is my team. I am not going to let any coach coaches bullshit take this from me. I'm going to make the plays I have to play. I have to make. I think he took ownership of the team in a different way. And I want to take it a step further. We, The Lions have good right. juice. The Lions and Speak especially Matt truth. Stafford Speak have good juju <laughs> this year. Okay. For say what you want about Stafford, okay, but oh his boy. beautiful, beautiful smoke oh show God. of a wife, Kelly, Kelly Stafford, and her, you know, <laughs> uh, mother of their beautiful twin girls, she this offseason had girls. a brain tumor. Um, yeah, non-malignant, oh but still That's right. okay. And she went through just a hellacious surgery while Matt was by her bedside and he was taking care of the twins. And there was, you know, a lot of like, hey, you know what? Matt's might not be, this is going to be a tough year for him. His mind is elsewhere. And you know what? I think that's exactly why he's going to be more dialed in this year than ever. And it's just, you know, we've got that juju going for us. Like it's all the, the I don't know, just good mojo. I think that that can bring is on our side. All right. All right. I'm going to jump in here. Okay. Well done. First of all. Um, what you're saying is that Matt, Matty staff got a fire lit under him by That's the brain right. tumor and by fat Matt's bullshit call the timeout, the bullshit call and, you know, losing a the game. They should have won on the road that, Hey, this guy has a fire lit under him. Okay. This is his time. I'm going to go out and let Matt staff for MVP. Yeah. He's probably the MVP of the league. So Hell far, yeah. right. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I think that's accurate. Yeah. I think but that's I do want to I mean? say, I mean, just to make this case here, look, look at the receivers he threw to today. Kenny Galladay, 117 yards, one TD. Guy's a young receiver. Marvin Jones Jr., respectable position receiver. Jesse James, tight end, three receptions. Okay, not didn't do too much. TJ Hawkinson, after a huge, the best game ever by a rookie um, of, uh, first game. Debut tight end. Um, debut, did not have a debut game today, fine, Best game but ever. still there's some, there's some real firepower there. If, if, and when Stafford decides in any given game to let a rip, he's got some nice targets downfield. All right. And let hey, let's do this too. I already mentioned this, the offensive line protected staff, no sacks, no sacks baby. Okay. No sacks. The running game still, still sucks major balls, yep. but okay. Yep, true. No sacks. Yeah. 90 but 90 <laughs> almost got to 100 total. it was right. it was running back um, and you know listen the chargers playoff team went last year yes they're on the road but we did hold them to 10 points is that does that mean the defense is has something going on um maybe sort of kind of we did not we did not get a ton of pressure on rivers it's however our run defense week, wasn't you know what fuck this they're they suck I can't do it. I tried. <laughs> I tried my hardest. You guys were, were yeah, I don't even know no. if you were trying. I tried, but honestly, it's really, I do I like Stafford as a person. I am, you know, am, I always have liked him. I think he's tough as hell. I think he hasn't quit on the team. He still tries his hardest, which maybe if, maybe that means he's a little dumber than the rest. So be it. He is our guy. He seems actually proud and happy to wear the Lions jersey. So I'm going to ride or die with him. I'm fine with that. But 
I really can't look at any other facet of the game, especially the coaching, and have any confidence in this team. No. Well, listen, fat, okay, Fat Matt, maybe he's proud to be, wear a Lions jersey. Or not Fat Matt, sorry, Matty Staff. He's also proud to be making, what, like $130 million or something? Yeah. No. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Come on. Let's be honest. And that's, that. Uh, you know, with the cost of living of, like, suburban Detroit, which is pretty damn nice. <laughs> I mean, the guy's, that guy's dollar is going far. That's the equivalent in a like a, a major real city of like eight billion dollars. Pretty much. R- rumor has it that he recently bought Twelve Oaks Mall and is just turning <laughs> yeah, it into his house. Be- <laughs> it's just it's just your you know your run of the mill four hundred and seventy thousand square yeah. foot mall. And he's, he, keeping, he's getting rid of everything but the food court. He's keeping the and food the arcade court. in the arcade. The food court and the arcade are there. He's getting rid of Neiman Marcus. <laughs> He's just getting rid of the whole thing, and he's. It's mostly the the west wing of the entire mall is going to be just kind of Matt right. Stafford paraphernalia. Well, it should um, mention that it. I think, like, when people in Detroit talk about Matt Stafford, maybe elsewhere around the league, it's it's widely acknowledged he's not a top tier quarterback. He's definitely not up there with the Brady's and the Rogers and maybe not even there with the Dak Prescott's or whatnot of the younger, the younger breed. But given the history of lions quarterbacks, I mean, when we go back and talk about our Eric Hipples, our Gary Danielson's, our Jeff Comlos, our um, Joey Harrington's um, (laughs) just, you know, some tremendously bad quarterbacks. He's great. Uh, yeah, right. Well, he, yeah. So oh, yeah. we have There's to no take. Question. But the other thing about um, about Matt Stafford that you have to keep in mind is, and and you know we're going to have to get our stat guy to have some stuff ready for us. But Matt Stafford has had, a, 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 I mean, along with like a freakish stat, is the number of hundred yard rushing games he's been quarterback for, like one. And it's I think it's one it's, or two. I, it's definitely one or two in the last like seven years. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just, it's hard to do it yourself and he's had to do it himself. <sighs> yeah. Although, right. you know, still though, there have been years when the very best guys like Tom Brady, you know, they always have some no name running back and they just, you know, the guy's just at a different level, you know, but some of that's the, some of that's the system in the franchise. I, I mean, it's quite so. clear that the Patriots, as long as they have Brady and Belichick, they don't. It yeah. does not even matter who else is on that team. I guess so. And, and it's clear that the the lie downs, they just they just they don't know what it takes. A couple it's other just, Lions QBs who made appearances, by the way: Stony Case, Gus Farratt, Frank Reich. Remember that dude? Um, mm-hmm. Don Majakowski. Yeah. And sure. uh, Dave, yeah, and, Dave Krieg and Andre Dave Ware. There's, I'm looking at a list. It, it's a super long list, of course. Andre yeah. Beware. Andre, Andre, really? You drafted me number one. Okay. <laughs> that was his nickname. That was his full nickname. Yeah. Well, we had him and Chuck yeah. Long, if uh, the Iowa, Iowa quarterback, who really, I, I actually just, I mean, this is like a cliche, but I just, my only memories of him are of like carrying the clipboard <laughs> on the sideline. <laughs> With his curly sort of blonde, <laughs> blonde mini fro, um, I don't know that he ever got in a game. I'm ever. actually looking Maybe. him up right now. Um, uh, professional career, 
it says here, it's just drafted number. This is on Wikipedia. Drafted number 12 overall by the Detroit Lions in the 1986 NFL oh, oh. draft. Long's NFL career was disappointing. That's sort of the, the summary of it. Um, yeah. Oh. Actually, okay. His best season, 87, 1987, he threw for just more than 2,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. Who's this? Just this Chuck, we're Chuck we're Long. talking about Chuck Long. Yeah, that I was believe Chuck season. Long threw a touchdown in his first NFL pass. I, I and I think it was wow. a bomb, like down the right sideline too. And then I think he proceeded to go 109 seasons <laughs> before throwing another touchdown. I think he threw like 18 interceptions in a row at one point. Right, he did set a record, I believe. <laughs> yeah, there was. Well, there was that one. I think it was in 19 maybe 86 that they did the um like fan row section 107 row 14 seat 32 and that guy just suited up and took him onto the field <laughs> and you know one touchdown two interceptions but he, you wouldn't have known you just would not have known yeah it, it didn't make a whole lot of difference in, at the I end mean, of the when day scott mitchell prior to stafford I assume Scott Mitchell had all their passing records. Scott Mitchell was not a very good quarterback. No. And he was the he was the centerpiece of the run and shoot. Well, Barry Sanders right. was. But he was running and not shooting. Well, well, you had Eric Kramer and then Scott Mitchell took over. Yeah. And there was some Rodney Pete in there also. I just want to say Scott Mitchell had one fantastic season, 1995. Um, well, fantastic, at least for the time. I mean, you have to go back – he threw for um, over 4,300 yards, which mm, at the time yeah. was a real lot. Now that's pretty common. Right. Back then it wasn't. Also 32 touchdowns, which also at the time was like, wow, this guy's, you know, he had that one right. one really good season. And then um, how do you how to put it? He sucked big balls <laughs> after that. Right. And somehow became known in. You know, I have nothing against the man. I still remember, you know, his victories, but somehow has the reputation. He's more hated, I think, than any other former Lions quarterback. Really? He's pretty much just referred to as like, oh, that pussy. Really? I mean, I hate to use that slur, but I'm just saying people think he was a quitter or just that he really just had something very weak about his game. I I don't know what it was. He wasn't very good, but I mean, neither of have most lines quarterbacks been. So I don't know why he in particular is deserving of that reputation, but that seems to be the one he has in Detroit. That's weird. Cause I, if I had had to guess among the modern lines quarterbacks, which one is known as the biggest pussy, I would have gone for Joey Harrington just because a, his name is <laughs> yeah. Joey. You could not Joe, Joe Harrington. That sounds like a quarterback. Joey Harrington sounds like something else. And I, I just remember like they, I think they took him super high draft pick. He was, you know, classic, good in college, sucked in the pro kind of guy. And one of his things that they tried to build up with him is like, oh, he plays piano. He, he right. took piano lessons and he can play like some classical piano. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why? I don't want my quarterback to be playing piano. No, right. I want him to be. Well, the only thing he should ever care or think about is football. Obviously, how else are you going to win? So, yeah, no, no I, I, I look. The Lions for a long time were kind of just known as like around the league. And I think when Adamakan um came to the team, there was before before he got there for many years, they were just known as like a real pussy team like that could be pushed around and yeah. beat up on, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
I, I we're talking about when I say he was known as like the biggest on the Lions. That's kind of not saying much. I mean, there's you know, this is on a team full of them supposedly. Right. Well, so, as as a quick aside, since you brought up Donkey Kong Sue. You know, when he left, I remember feeling like, ah, like, yeah, I knew they couldn't pay him all that money, but still, it was like, man, he the defense is really good. I'm, I'm at, at the very least, he has gone on to kind of bounce around the league, and he never really panned out as, as being as quite as awesome as as people thought he would be. So that's like a that was a rare um, moment of the Lions front office making a good decision. Let's exactly that. right, uh, Joey Harrington. Yeah, by the no. way. Yeah, he threw yeah. for fourteen thousand six hundred yards in his career, which is yeah. fourteen thousand two hundred huh. more than I thought he threw for. <laughs> career rating, passer rating of sixty nine point four. My one memory of Joey Harrington is I think he had a game where he threw five interceptions, <laughs> which is it's it's, it's hard to be in a game long enough to throw five interceptions. But that may have also been the game that the Lions tried wow. the non-head coach offense where just nobody was on the side. Right. They just went pick up football. <laughs> nobody yeah, was in control. Just... All right. So you, you guys, we're coming up on like a, a good solid hour, which might be about 55 minutes more than anyone is willing to listen. So let's look at, and maybe this is how we should end these podcasts. Let's look at the- I, I, I'm sorry, but- I, I need to I need to cut in with something because okay. I'm I'm just finding it here. I oh my god! So not only okay, ex Lions quarterbacks, where do they go after their time with the Lions? I mean, this I think this they just they just wander podcast. away, and never to be seen again. Okay, but I just want to add. So we talked about Scott Mitchell. He retired, uh, you know, at some point in the nineties reappeared in 2014 weighing upwards of 380 pounds and appeared on the show the biggest he loser actually thought the game he thought um, the, ga- the show had nothing to so do with that's- weight <laughs> he's just like i was the lion's yeah, quarterback just, i have to yeah. qualify so for this, show. this is the show for me <laughs> um i want to two other lions quarterbacks that we have talked about one has um, got to be eric hipple right eric hipple and eric kramer the two erics yeah there's an article here from 2016 16 <laughs> in sports illustrated saying how post-career they have become friends and bonded over yeah. their mutual yeah. suicidality yeah, no, right I know about this. being no and this is real yeah yeah they I both and so I mean, God bless them. I I really wish the best for them. But this really is what it means to be a Lions quarterback and to go. So, I mean, if we're comparing the past to what we have now in terms of Matt Stafford, who, you know, has not committed suicide, number one, (laughs) and is still like on his feet playing for us, I think we have to be pretty happy. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, Eric Hipple, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, tried to commit suicide by throwing himself out of a speeding car. That's one yes. hell of a way to go. But he didn't, thankfully, did not succeed, but he did try it. And yep. uh, Kramer, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think he did anything quite quite so cinematic. He but, had a uh, gun that he was... Okay. Another, so, yeah, okay. Just one more, one more thing to throw out to a person if they're wondering, well, the Lions, they couldn't be that bad, et cetera, et cetera. Correct me if I'm wrong about this. 
but I do not think since we've been alive that a Lions head coach has gone on to be the head coach for another team. Am I right about that? You're right. Yes. I think you're right. I mean, they, there are like, coaches that have been that have gone on to like be coordinators or different things. Yes, but it's it, it, they either they either completely walk away from football because of course that's the only logical thing to do after being a Lions coach, or they find their way onto some other team in a lower capacity. Most of them go into charity work in sub-Saharan Africa. <laughs> it's the, in a desperate effort to find meaning in the world. I mean, to cleanse themselves. I mean, these are guys yeah. that are, you know, they're battling malaria because it's, it's much easier well, to eradicate malaria than win the NFC North. If you're a Lions. As a, um, no, it's a good point. And as a, uh, a uh, uh, little bit of um, you know statistic here. Who who is the winningest Lions coach of the last sixty years? I would have to say Wayne Fontes. It's Wayne Fontes. Yes, six. He was sixty-seven yeah. and seventy-one, and coach. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's back up there. Let's talk about what the word "winningest" might right. mean. <laughs> yeah, independent right. of any context. Just yeah. if you're looking it up in the dictionary. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I got that right. He was 66 and 67. So he had the most okay. the most wins of any Lions coach in the last six decades. Um, and I believe after he was fired by the Lions, he has never been seen again at all, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like that, like, like that TV show Kung Fu, he just sort of wandered the land, you know, well, sort he- of. He keeps you know, trying to trying to do good in in the communities that he encounters. He keeps telling people that he's sure that that Barry Sanders didn't mean to block him on on Snapchat, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just some sort of you know he just made a mistake. Is Wayne Fontes still around? Is he still alive? Yes, he's seventy nine years old, and he's still he's still alive. Oh wow! Um, apparently, he served briefly as a color commentator on the English language broadcasts of NFL Europe games. Interesting. But then huh. retired to Florida. I assume, you know what? I assume. I, I, he's, he's a, so he's a retired guy. He's an older guy. I'm guessing he doesn't have a tongue going on. Maybe we can get him on this podcast. I bet we could I if we like really to. tried. Don't you think? Well, his postseason record. <laughs> now, keep in mind, he's the only Lions coach in our lifetime with a one. At the beginning of his postseason record, yeah. and he's one, and he's oh, one yeah. and four. Everyone else is zero and something. <laughs> I mean, true. that I, I really feel like that just says it all. But I want to say he made. <sighs> yeah. I mean, under him, the Lions made the playoffs four times in nine years. I mean, that's for the Lions. Yeah. That's fantastic. Even though we got crushed in. The no, they made it four card. out of five years. I'm looking at it right oh, here. Oh, yeah, that's true. At one point, they, at, at, mm-hmm. I, I was giving his total number of years coaching. Yeah, but yeah, they did. They went on a streak of four out of five years. So, yeah, those were the glory days. That's as close as, as we've come. Wayne Fonts, if there's any strange way that you're somehow hearing this, good on you. You know, we, we have fond memories of your coaching tenure. Yeah, we really do. We love you. It's and true. supposedly he was a real right. players coach and that Barry actually really did like like Wayne. Um and yet, and yet. Yeah, but so but Wayne was fired in ninety six. Barry retired after. So I just want to clarify that. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So listen, guys, we're again, we are now over an hour. So how about we just look 
quickly at the next couple of games just to see what what catastrophe awaits us, okay? Next Sunday, the Lions are at the Eagles. Um, Eagles are good, The Eagles are 1-0. They, they're playing later today. They're playing this evening yeah. against an Atlanta team that needs a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... The the Eagles have been good. That's a loss, right? That's got to be on the road I, against a good I team. I think the That's average score of a Lions game in on the road in Philadelphia, like that's a 38 to 10. Oh, yeah, it, for sure. That's in play. The next week after that, and, and we're not going to look too many weeks ahead because it's insane to do that. After the loss to the Eagles, they're hosting the, the goddamn yeah. Chiefs, okay, downtown. I, I don't. I mean, what, the score for that could be the Chiefs, like indoors in a controlled environment on the road. The, being on the road doesn't matter. Pat Mahomes, he's going to put up like 78 points. I mean, yeah. that's going to be a massacre. Holy crap. My only hope right? is that somehow Stafford just unleashes, you know, holy hell. And there's some kind of shootout. That's our only hope. But I, yeah, that's not, that's not going to be pretty. I mean, come on. And then the Lions are off in week five. Yep. Okay. Is that yeah. possible? Or, but, but what's week four? Oh, oh, no, we already are at week four. No, no, no. So, yeah, the Lions buy is yeah. early. It's week five. Yeah, but then they have then, oh, no, no. Yeah. Then they have the Packers, yeah. then the Vikings, then the Giants, which maybe they can. It's There's a bunch of losses coming up. <laughs> and, you know, like when I looked at the schedule early on before the season, I'm like, okay, on road against the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to be bad. Maybe they can win that one. And, but then I just assume the next five or six games were guaranteed losses. So, of course, it's the Lions. Nothing makes sense. The tie, which, okay, fine. And they won today, which, again, like I'm not even – it makes me uncomfortable to talk about a Lions win, to be totally honest. I don't really have the vocabulary for it. I feel like I'm faking it. You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. sit well at all. I don't, yeah, I don't like no. it. Today's win was not um, very um, reassuring or, or inspiring. So I think we can still count on this year sucking big blue and silver balls. And with that, we say a farewell. And uh, if, if anyone listened to this, wow, good for you. Like a whole hour of this. Incredible. So we're, our idea, um, imaginary listeners, is to do this throughout the season. And, uh, you know, after every game, just kind of get on the hookup, get on the mic and talk about stuff. And we'll see. And yeah. just remember, if you are a Lions fan, there is help out there for you. <laughs> this podcast is for you. Okay. That's why yeah, we're that's doing true. this. That's why we're doing this, right? For all, it's not just for us, it, although it's fun. If you gouge out your eyes and pierce your eardrums, you can't really follow football. That's. I, I want to say that you can follow football through smell what? or real ta- taste. Or maybe touch. Maybe you could kind of get like the Braille play-by-play. But worse comes to worse. We got I mean, that in our unfortunately, pocket. I think that the Lions are the only team you can follow by smell. Right. Just the smell of absolute crap it's like when you're it, it's like when you're driving like on a cross-country trip with your parents and you're like in some open kind of field and all of a sudden out of nowhere like a foul wind hits your car and you're like oh my god what is that yes. yeah yeah we're like in oklahoma there's like a slaughterhouse nearby it's like yeah it just smells like this all the time it's kind of like that right right
Exactly. All right. Yep, it's true. And it's <sighs> oh my God. Okay, you guys. Well, so uh Dan in Detroit, I think your part of your job here is to keep track of what's going on in the sports talk radio about the Lions, what, oh, sure. what the chatter is. My pleasure. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to think too much about the Lions at all until I absolutely have to as the next game approaches. And again, there's a bit, this was fun to do, but there's a big part of me that is all instantly regretting this whole thing because we just spent well, an hour of our lives talking about the lions. And, uh, is it worth it? I, I, I still don't know. I don't isn't know. that, I, I have, Dan, you may have been in Ford field more than I, but don't it, above the main jumbotron. Doesn't it just say instantly regretting <laughs> this whole thing? Isn't that actually the team? Well, yeah, it's instantly point? regretting this whole thing since 1957 is the right. official, yeah, current. Yeah, uh, and then at the south end of this of the of the field, they do have the the suicide <laughs> prevention hotline, well, which tends to crash in well, the that's second half. Right next to the call, <sighs> the call center just it, it just crashes. Right. It that's right next to the uh, statue of Kid Rock. <laughs> So we should have a portion of this where people can call in. Maybe I can make that happen. Just desperate, desperate fans. By the way, I know that, again, part of the reason we're doing this is because we know that we're not alone. Right. No, there is there. There is. There are people out there who, you know, were born in Detroit. They had no choice in the matter. Grew up infected by the Lions virus and they're roaraholics, basically. And it's. I always like when I meet one of these people, like I have, there's a couple guys at work where I work now that grew up in Detroit Lions fans. And we have these conversations that only we could have. It's a kind of shorthand of despair and loneliness and, and just self-loathing, self-loathing, self-loathing yeah. that uh, in a weird way, it's kind of a joy to find another person who has embodied that. And we can just have our conversations. And so this podcast is really for <clears throat> those folks. So right. you're not, you feel alone. We're, you're not alone. We're here for you. You're here for us. So, uh, yeah, you know, tune into our podcast. And if you have any Roraholics in your life, you know, let them know. Help is once you have to start somewhere. Help is one step away. It's true. It's true. Help is one snap away. <laughs> Roar, guys. Roar. All right. Roar. Bye. This is Spider-Man Allen. And I have a message for everyone in the NFL. Man standing on the seat with his helmet way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound of cleat. The line began to roar.